Good morning. Glad to see you all this morning. Uh, I'm Jared. For those of you that don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm in charge of discipleship and, and missions. And so as we, talk, as we were talking through our vision, uh, I got elected to talk about grow, So since it kind of fits my zone. So we're, we're going to talk about grow today. And as Robert mentioned, um, you know, the mission of, of Risen Life, as we have said, is real life transformation. And that is seeing you guys, as well as us, grow and be conformed into the image of Christ. That's what we want to see. And so as you live out your Christian life here at Risen Life, we want to have you experience real change in your life, where God is really doing things in your life to conform you to Christ. And then so we've been working through these things, as we said, and last week we talked about Connect being that God wants all his believers in, in a church body together, connecting, um, so that we can encourage each other when we're going through hard times. We can share in joys with one another. We can speak the word to one another and, and help each other learn what God has for us, and that uh, we do that by connecting. Uh, and then this week we're going to look at grow uh, and what it means to grow into the image of Christ and how we do that. <clears throat> Now, when we think about grow, I think there's really, we were talking this week, there's really kind of three components to, to growing in the Lord. There's a, there's a knowing, so there's something we know, right? We grow in some knowledge. There's a doing, there's a putting into practice of what we know. And then there's a teaching, taking what we know and what we've experienced and telling somebody else about it. And so that's kind of... That's kind of what we see in growing. That's, that's the paradigm we see. Um, when, I, when I was in college here at the U, um, I was not really the best student, unfortunately. Um, I was more concerned with climbing, skiing, and, and trying to find a wife. And so when I, when I, as God got a hold of my heart and I began to study his word more fully and I began to grow in that and he began calling me into ministry, and I, I went to seminary, I took it serious. And part of that was I ran across a verse that just kind of struck me. And it became kind of my commitment to God uh, for my life. And so we're going to kind of lead with that a little bit. Here, here's what it says. It comes from the book of Ezra. And if you know Ezra, Ezra is the priest and the scribe, uh, one of the guys that helped lead Israel back to Jerusalem from Babylon when God let the people come back. Um, and, and Ezra, Ezra 7, chapter 7, verses 6 and 9, tells us that God was with Ezra, and he was giving him great success in everything that he was doing, right? Everything he was doing to bring the Israelites back, great success. Great success of the Babylonian king, everything. God was blessing him. And then verse 710 tells us the reason why. Look at this. It says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach its statutes and rules in Israel. That's why God was blessing him. Ezra had decided to, to study God's word, to do it, and to teach it. And so like in Ezra, in seminary, I decided myself, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set myself to know God's word, to do it, and to teach it. And so I began to experience, I feel like, tremendous growth in my own personal life as I 
walked with God. And so Ezra gives us a good pattern for what we're going to look at today of how we grow in the Lord. And, and notice one thing. This is all based on God's Word. Right? He set, his, he set his heart to know God's Word, to do God's Word, to teach God's Word. And so a lot of what we talk about as we grow is it's based on knowing God's Word, knowing the Bible, and letting it affect our lives. And so that's what we're going to do today as we look at um, grow. We're going to look at each of these aspects in turn. Knowing, doing, and teaching. Okay, And then at the end we're going to take a quick look at how suffering kind of plays into our growth. I know that's not a popular topic, but I think you'll, you'll see how God has a plan for suffering to grow us. All right, so let's, let's look at knowing. So I noticed that this rhymed in the first service, so I think it's kind of funny. Um, knowing, if we are to grow, what do we need to know? Right? There you go. All right, so here's what Paul says about that. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Okay, we're going to look at knowing. Here's what Paul says as he, as he prays over the Ephesians. This is what he's praying for them. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places." So here's what we need to see right, right off the bat. I want you to see this. Is that knowledge begins with God opening our hearts so that we understand the gospel. Our knowledge of God begins with Christ. The Bible witnesses to the fact that our hearts, they've been, they've been darkened. They, they have been tainted with sin. So much so that, that we can't understand truth. That's... that's what the Bible defines as our problem. We grow up in this. We don't know truth. We sin more and more. We get further and further from the truth. <clears throat> and in fact, most of the time, we don't want the truth, if we're honest with ourselves. And what God does in Christ is he, He's out there in, in His world, and our world is here, and He sends Christ into our world so that we know he, and makes Himself known. And as we do that, when, when we become a Christian, God makes Himself known to us in the person of Christ, and we begin to see things for how they really are. So if you, if you have become a Christian, you know at some point God broke into your world. You can remember when God made Himself known to you. You didn't know He was there, and yet He came in, right, and makes Himself known. And what he, what he shows us through His Spirit is that we need Christ. And maybe, maybe some of you in here, I know, I know some of you in here come to Risen Life and you feel God speaking to you. God has broken into your world and He's speaking to you. And you don't always know quite what that's about. Maybe He's saying, you need to follow Jesus. 
Or maybe he's saying, I love you. I, I can help you. We, can, we follow Jesus by confessing our sins and declaring him to be Lord. And if that's you today, if God's been breaking into your world, then let me urge you to follow Jesus today. Do it today. And so God breaks into our little world. He comes from without and he comes within. In the person of Christ. And he shows us how our world should be oriented around God. Pursuing God. Worshiping God. How we need God. How truth is found in Jesus alone. And by God's Spirit, He gives us that truth. So I want you to see, the, the gospel of Christ is the beginning of knowledge. In fact, if you, if you do a survey of the Bible, a lot of places, Christ is called the wisdom of God. Okay? He's personified as God's wisdom. And so we, we see Him as the beginning of real knowledge. And guess what? We don't ever get over this fundamental fact. That's where the gospel starts, and that's where it ends. That's why my son, a couple weeks ago, he's young, and for the first time he's saying he wants to follow Jesus. And he can say that as a little boy. And yet there's biblical scholars over here that have been studying the Bible their whole life, and guess what? It's still all about the fact that Jesus came and died for us. It's the beginning and end of knowledge is Christ. And we never get away from the fact that God came into our world as the person of Christ. That's what we need to know and understand. That's what we grow in. That's what gives us insight into our, our life and our world. And we do that by God's Word. We learn about it through God's Word. And if we really want to grow, we have to apply ourselves to understanding God's Word. Paul, Paul talks about this. He talks about this to Timothy. Look, look at uh, 2 Timothy three, fourteen through 17. Here's what, here's what he says. Paul is, is, is speaking to Timothy. He's a younger pastor, and he's pointing him to the Bible where he can grow in Christ. He says in verse 14, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now I want you to notice a couple of things about this passage. This passage is great, but I want you to notice just a couple of things. Number one, Timothy's connected. Okay? We talked about connection last week, but Paul's talking about Timothy saying, you've been in a community that has valued the Word of God. They've been teaching it to you since you were this high. You keep going in that. And notice all that Timothy's still connected because Paul has a, a place in his life that he's able to speak into him and encourage him to keep going in the Lord. Keep pursuing God. Paul's saying, look, keep going, Timothy. Keep reading the Word. God will keep changing you and growing you. God wants us to be connected together so that we can grow in His Word. And then look at this. Look what it says about the Scriptures. First it says, it's breathed out by God. 
Think about that for a second. That's a big deal. If, if these are the words of God, the very words of God, if we believe that, if we believe God's real and he's the smartest guy out there, the most powerful guy out there, and these are his very words, what does that mean for us? We ought to know them. They know way better than anything we know. And so, and so Paul is telling Timothy, know these words. These are God's very words. And we ought to make every effort to know them. Look what else he says. He says, God's words, they're able to make you wise to salvation. That means they tell us about Christ. They tell us how God came in the person of Christ from outside our world to inside our world. How we can take on Christ's righteousness and become acceptable to God. And then it tells us that it's, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. This means that the Bible can, can tell you how to live. It can train you how God intended you to live. It can train you how to get out of the things that entangle you and walk in the things that God has for you. And then it says, the end of this is that you would be equipped for every good work. That means as we apply the Word to our life, as we apply ourselves to learning the Word, God prepares us to walk in the things He has for us. And that's what we want to do as we grow. Be conformed to the image of Christ. Be doing the things that God has called us to do. So listen, if you want to grow as a Christian, then you must root yourself. I mean, plant your life in this book. You take on its reality and you let it become your reality. That's part of what God did when he came. He said, you know, you think the world operates like this, but actually I made the world and it actually operates like this. And so we want to take on what God says about our world, what God says about our life, and we do that by learning his word. So how do we do that practically? I want to talk about that for a second. You guys are here on Sunday morning. You hear God's word, right? That's one way you can learn God's word. At Risen Life, we also have Bible studies on Sunday morning, some of you are involved in. You can go there and grow deeper in God's Word. You can also be a part of a community group, which I think about 80 to 100 of you are involved in. And you could discuss God's Word and think about how it applies to life. Um, but I, but I want to venture to say that just, just coming to the Bible studies we offer, just coming to hear a sermon on Sunday is not really enough in God's economy for you. You'll, you'll no doubt grow if you're regularly hearing the Word. God will move in your life, and if you just sat here for the next 50 years and listened to sermons, you would grow. But God has so much more for you in His Word than that. He wants you to be in a relationship with Him as you read His Word. And we're going to talk about how you can do that a little more practically in a second. And so you can do that through a daily reading of the Word. And I want to encourage you, if you, don't, if you don't have some plan for reading your Bible, even if your plan is, I'm just going to open it and read something, that's a good plan. That means you're reading the Word. 
But I would encourage you, find a plan that works for you. I mean, there's plans that you can do a daily reading throughout the whole year. You can do a chronological reading through the whole year. You can spread that out over a couple of years, right? Just depending on how much you read. You can, you can read a proverb a day, as, as Pastor Robert often uh, suggests. I mean, there's 31. Most months have 31 days. You get to read one a day and meditate on what God has for you. There's a lot of ways you can read God's Word. But God wants you to be doing it with Him alone, right? He wants you here with the community, but He also wants you growing in His Word by yourself. And when you do that, just like Ezra, when you set yourself to regular study, to know God's Word, to do it, to teach it, you start feeling real growth in your life. Denise didn't mention this this second time around, but she mentioned it this morning that she came to a point in her life, she's learning about God, she knew the Bible, she's coming to church, and it kind of dawned on her, she's like, I need to do what it says. I need to start living this out. And it's when we start taking those next steps that we really start to feel growth in our life. So let me encourage you to do that. So now we've, we've talked about knowing. So knowing is knowledge of Jesus Christ and knowing it comes through the Word. We increase our knowledge of what God did in Christ through the Word. And now we're going to talk about doing. So doing. If we're going to, if we're going to grow, what should we be doing? Okay, we've talked about it just a little bit, but let's talk about it a little more. Now the answer to that question is pretty easy. You can probably guess what we should be doing. We should be doing what God says in His Word. Okay? We should be living out what God is teaching us in His Word. That's what God wants us to do in our life. As God's people, we want to strive to put into practice what God has revealed in His Word. It's as simple as that. Look at, look at this. Look at what James um, 1.22 through 27 says. I've been meditating on this passage some this week. and um, Let's see what it says here. So James 1, 22 through 27, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, and then he goes away, and he forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, that's God's word, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Just like we saw of Ezra. Set himself to know the word, God blessed him. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, that to visit orphans and widows and their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is saying, look, you don't just hear the Word and learn it, you do it. And then he gives this great illustration of a guy who goes and gets in his bathroom in the mornings, fixing his hair, looks in the mirror and thinks, oh man, I look great. Then he walks out of, the wind, out of his house and he goes, did I shave? What did I look like? Right? And it's the same thing For us here on Sunday, lots of times we come in, we hear a Sunday morning sermon, and you go, man, that was great. That was like 
possibly top 10 sermons I've ever heard in my life. And then you walk out of the door and you don't think a thing about it. Right? But God wants us to hear the Word, learn the Word, and He wants us to walk out there and do it. I have this great fear for us as, as Americans, and particularly those of you that have grown up in a Christian tradition, American Christians, that we've become far too familiar with God's Word, okay? that we, we love good teaching, we're always looking for better teaching, we're looking for more teaching, we're never satisfied, right? We, we read books, we go to conferences, we listen to podcasts. We know how to critique sermons, talk about theology. But at some level, we're still hungry. We need more. And I venture to say that for some of us, it's not more teaching that we need, but it's the living out of the teaching we already have. And guess what? When you do that, as I've said, you'll experience tremendous growth in your life. If you want to grow in your Christian walk, if you, if you want to be conformed to the image of Christ, you, just, you don't just learn God's Word, but you begin to walk out the door and do it. And I, want to, I want to issue you a challenge today. Um, you know, I hope God will speak something to you through this sermon. I mean, that's my hope every time I preach, right? Um, but I, I hope today that as you hear God's word, just whatever God is speaking to you by His Spirit, just, just write it down. One thing. Write it down and commit yourself this week to say, I'm going to think about this every day this week and how this applies to my life. I'm going to think about this and see what God is saying to me, what God is asking me to do, what God is telling me. I'm going to think about it and I'm going to put it into practice and see if God doesn't bless you. See if God doesn't grow you. See if God doesn't change your life, even in the little things. And then I also fear that some of us aren't growing because we, we, don't, we don't know how to feed ourselves. Paul kind of gets at this. It's kind of some interesting language, but look at, look at what Hebrews 5.12 says. He says, by this time you ought to be teachers, now, he's speaking to everybody. He's not just talking to me and Pastor Kevin and Pastor Robert. He's talking to everybody. You ought, you ought to be teachers by now. You've been here long enough. Um, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God. Think about that. He's saying growing in the Word is not just a matter of listening to sermons, but it's a, it's a personal commitment to God's Word, to, to really knowing it, to doing it. And so God wants us to be in a relationship with Him so that we can, we can come to His Word on our own, we can be reading His Word, and we can be growing in Him. So I want to show you something. Uh, I think Preston has a picture for me, or Stephanie. <clears throat> this is my Bible. It's not any much different than yours, I would assume. Um, but I want, this is from Colossians chapter 4. And I just want to talk about a really practical way that you can grow in God and be in a real relationship with Him. <clears throat> so, when I do my daily Bible reading, or, or my regular Bible reading, um, this is what I do. I read a passage, and here, this one's talking about Paul, and he's wanting to go declare the gospel to people, uh, and so he's praying to God. And so I look at that, and I'll underline everything that I feel like God's speaking to me, or that I find interesting. Just go through as you read and underline it. And then what I do is I, I come back, and like, say verse 3 there. 
Paul's saying, hey, pray for us that a door may be open for me to declare the gospel and pray that I know what to say. And so I'll go back and I'll say, God, I want to be one who's sharing the gospel. God, I, I want to know how to share the gospel well. So Lord, help me, not only give me opportunities to share the gospel, but also help me know what to say, just like Paul. Lord, do that for me. And then, God, this first five down here that I got starred, um, I don't really know what that means all the way. What does it mean to walk in wisdom towards outsiders? So Lord, I, I pray that you would help me understand what that means. As I go about my day-to-day, show me what it means to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And as I do this, you see what's happening? I'm getting in God's Word. I'm letting God speak to me. And then I'm responding to God in prayer. And so we're beginning this interaction. And the interaction is supposed to go on, right? I'm saying, hey, God, during the day, show me these things. And throughout the day, you'll see that God will speak to you. He'll show you what to do. He'll give you words to speak. He'll help you understand what it means to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And we begin to grow in Christ. So if you don't currently read and study your Bible, let me, let me challenge you to figure out a plan for doing that. God wants you to be in His Word. That's how His relationship works with you. You want to know what God says? You want to know what God has for your life? There's several thousand pages, right? You've got to be in there, though. And then you start getting that interaction. Now, I've pushed pretty hard here on saying do the Word, okay? Uh, and I want you to hear that, but I also want to remind you of a few things kind of before we move on. We, we want to be doers of the Word, not because cause we're mandated to, but, but because we want to, right? That's part of the, the beauty of the gospel, right? Christ came into our world. He lived the perfect life that God expects us to live, that He holds us to the same standard. He died in our place of our punishment. And then when we come to faith in Him, we actually get His righteousness. When God looks at you, He looks down and sees the work of Christ. He sees you as perfectly and completely righteous. He's totally happy with you if you're in Christ. And so that means that you don't have to do anything. Now, We should want to do something. That message right there should make you want to do something. It should make you want to live for Jesus. And so we respond to God's Word by doing things, not because we have to, because we want to. We do it in love. And we want to do the things that we've come to know this God. And if this God says these are the things that make Him happy, then I want to do those things. I want to be in a close relationship with Him. And so we begin to do them. And then the second thing we've got to remember is, listen, and, do, and when we're trying to apply the gospel, we're trying to do the things God calls us to do, we're not alone. In fact, there's, listen, there's no way that you could ever live up to what God has called you to do. You can't do it. Many have tried. You can't do it. And so you're not alone. God has sent His, His Spirit he promised his spirit for two two things and well, a multitude two things a multitude of things but here's two things he promised him for first that he would guide you into all truth so John 16:13 that means that God will help you understand what you need to do 
Just when you're reading through the passage, God brings things out to your mind, right? Spirit's speaking to you, saying, you need to do this. You need to fix this. Try doing this. Let me help you do this. You should be encouraged that I love you. God's speaking to you by your spirit. And secondly, we're not alone because this is the best part. He'll also give you the power to actually carry out the things that he's asked you to do. In fact, that's what Ezekiel 36, 27 prophesies. That one day God is going to circumcise our hearts and he's going to give us his spirit so that we can actually do the works of God. And if you look in the New Testament, just take a gander at how many times Paul uses the word power. How many times Paul talks about the power of God through the Holy Spirit being in our life, enabling us to follow Christ and do the things he's asked. It's an amazing thing. And so we want to be doers not because we have to, but because we're responding to what God has done in our life. And so we do things out of love. And secondly, you're not alone. God has given you his spirit so that you can actually walk in the things of his word. And God has given us Christ's righteousness so that when we fail, we just say, God, I'm sorry. Help me to try. Help me to do better next time. All the while being perfectly acceptable to God. Now, now we've talked about what we're supposed to know. We've talked about kind of doing God's word. right? Then, then Ezra goes on to talk about uh, that he wants to teach God's word. Now, some of you are going, I'm not a teacher. Right? This part doesn't apply to me. Well, hang on. Hang on just one second. I, th- I think as we're, by the time we're done, you'll see that God has someone for you to teach. Okay? So let me ask you this. Why do you think this comes third in the list here? Right? <laughs> know God's Word. Do it. Teach. Why is that third? Let me think about this. If, if you wanted to learn to fly an airplane, which some of you in here have done that. Would you want to learn from the guy that's read every book out there? I mean, he knows these books. He's read them, but he's never flown a plane. Or would you want to learn from the guy that's not only read the books, but he's flown for 30 years? Right? You want to learn from the second guy. And so as we come to teaching, it's, it's this process where our knowledge of, of God gets combined with our experience of God, and then it becomes wisdom. And we're able to give that to anyone who will listen. Right? So if you ever wonder, you know, that we have some Christian sages in our church. You may not know that. But they're out there. If you ever wonder how that, that Christian sage, I mean, he just seems like he just rolled out of bed, comes in with his coffee, sits down, you guys start talking about God. He gives the best lesson on God and the gospel you've ever heard every time you sit down. How does he do it? Because he knows God's word. He's experienced and done God's word. And now he's more than ready to tell you about his experience with God. Now here's the cool thing about being a Christian is that everybody has somebody to teach. And you know, sometimes we even do all three of these things as we grow. We do them simultaneously. Sometimes we're growing. I mean, sometimes we're learning, we're doing, and we're teaching all at the same time. In fact, that's usually our experience. We just start learning something, and then God brings somebody into your life that needs to know the exact thing that you're just now learning. You can't even get done learning it before God's having you teach it to somebody. And so when we're 
we're talking about teaching. We're not, we're not saying the end goal is that you all become preachers or you all become Bible study leaders, but that God has given you people in your life to teach about the Lord. So listen, if you have kids, God has entrusted you to teach those kids about the gospel. That's what, that's what Deuteronomy 6-7 tells us. It says, teach the word diligently to your children. That's God's plan for his people. And if God has given you lots of non-Christians in your life, God's given you friends and neighbors and co-workers, guess what? Matthew 28, 19. The Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all the nations. And later on, down in those verses, it says, and teach them everything that I've told you. We all have somebody to teach. And even if you're scared of the, you don't have kids, or you're scared of witnessing... As we've said, God calls you to be a part of this body of believers. And as you rub shoulders with people in here, I guarantee that there's someone who needs to hear from you on what God has taught you. And so we do that as we connect and we, and we go together. Now we've talked about this process of growing, being knowing, being doing, and then teaching. And now I want to I talk just a, just a few minutes about how suffering fits into that, okay? So God's, God's plan for our growth is that we would be conformed to Christ. I mean, that's what we're saying with real life transformation. We want to experience real changes in our life that are making us more like Christ and being more in line with God's plan for our life. And if you, if you really want to see what that looks like, I'd encourage you, maybe you need to start Bible reading, do a study on Acts. Look at Paul. Watch how Paul changes from a man set against God to a man with God to a man being giving up his life for God. And look at all the ways that his life becomes conformed to the image of Christ just as he prayed. And so God begin, um, wants us to be conformed to Christ. And I want you to see something. This is not only our plan, God's plan for us, but it was God's plan for Christ. Christ experienced suffering, and through that suffering, the Bible tells us that he learned to be obedient to God. Here's what Hebrews 5, 7 through 9 says. It says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal life and salvation uh, to all who obey him. This means as, as Jesus walked through his life, we know from Isaiah that it says he was a man acquainted with sufferings. Some even think that means that he was chronically ill. Not only was he chronically ill, you can, you can look at the Bible and you go, where's Joseph? In the rest of his, his life, some think that maybe uh, Jesus had lost his father at a young age. Or you, you think about all his friends that turned his back on Jesus. All the people that called him names. All the people that said, you're crazy, dude. Jesus suffered. He suffered. And yet all the while he was learning to say, God, I trust you. I don't know, but I trust you. 
I'm trusting that your plan is the best here. I'm trusting that what you have for me is the best plan to save this world. And he learned to trust God and be obedient to what God had for him in his life. Look at uh, Paul talks about the same type of thing in Romans 5. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, he, he says this. He sees our suffering as having a positive effect on our life. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that means if you've accepted Christ in your life, you're perfectly acceptable to God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Remember what we started with? Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they would have the eyes of their heart enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of God, what God has called them to in Christ. Paul tells us that our sufferings produce that hope. He gives us this progression. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. As you suffer through whatever God brings into your life, whatever you bring into your life, you keep following Jesus. You say, God, I'm going to trust you. It not only helps us to understand the gospel better, but it causes us to long for the fulfillment, the hope of the fulfillment, for God to come into our world and make everything right again. Where the world thinks suffering produces despair, the Christian and the gospel knows that it produces hope for those that believe. One of the, this is one of the greatest promises in the Bible, and you guys all know it too well. Um, Romans eight twenty nine, which says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. And what God is promising here is not that at the end of the day, everything would be okay. In fact, lots of days it won't be okay. You'll be asking God, why did this happen? I hate this, God. I don't like what's happening. And it won't be okay. In fact, some days, one day, your life is going to end. And that won't be okay. But don't you see something? This is one of the beautiful things about the gospel. God is promising that even in our suffering, even in the bad things that happen to you, He will use them to conform you to the image of Christ. Here's what he does. When you become a Christian, suddenly instead of all the consequences of sin, all the death that has been given to us, all the bad things of the world that will eventually lead to your death and future destruction, God flips them upside down. And they become for you, they become how God uses, that God uses those things to conform you through your suffering into the image of Christ until ultimately your death leads to your glorification. That's the amazing part of the gospel. What you are suffering is actually working for your good now instead of for your death. In fact, many of you have probably experienced intense time of growth 
during intense times of suffering. You can probably look back and even think, sometimes when you look at your life, you go, man, I really grew when that happened. And you look at the other times, you go, I wasn't really growing, I was just kind of cruising along. Me and my wife have experienced some intense suffering this week as we lost our child. And I know that God will use it to conform me to the image of Christ, as well as my wife, as well as my family. And sometimes we don't know what to say. But just like Jesus, we say, God, I trust you. And we trust that God would use it to turn us into the image of Christ and ultimately one day to be with him. And not only that, but we hope in the fact that Jesus is coming again to make those things that we don't like, make them right. And so our suffering pushes us towards hope in Christ. So let me, let me say, if you are suffering, God says, trust me. You just trust me and you hope in me. Now Ephesians, we'll end with this. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24 says this. Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirits of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what we want to do here. We want to grow in our Christian walk. We want to be in a close relationship with Jesus. And we do that by knowing His Word, living His Word, teaching His Word to other people. We grow by setting our sights on the gospel of Christ and learning everything we can about it. We learn to live it out day by day. And just like Ezra We will be blessed by God as we learn to to know it, to do it, and to keep it. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word, which is able to speak deeply into our lives. God, I pray that we would partner with you, that we would commit ourselves to growing in Christ, that we would commit ourselves to knowing your word and doing whatever you have for us, God. Lord, by your spirit, reveal those things even today that we need to give to you, things that we need to learn, things that we need to do this week as we pursue you. Fill us with your spirit, God. Amen. This morning, in conclusion, we come to observe Lord's Supper together. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, we invite you to participate with us. What we want to do is take just a minute here and give us an opportunity to ask Jesus if there's anything between us and him that he'd like for us to take care of. And if there is, let's take care of it.